Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Left circle, wrist shot, score! Patrick Ryan Nugent Hopkins! Harris takes a snap, draws back, he throws. That's complete and a big game for the Eskimos. It's Ricky Collins Jr. again! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Man, that was a great game yesterday afternoon at the Ice Palace, West Edmonton Mall, the championship game for the Brick Invitational. It was Team Brick Alberta taking on the Connecticut Junior Rangers in the championship game. Three 15-minute period stop time. You had Team Brick come out firing. They got the first four or five shots on net. They got a goal about five minutes into the game. Connecticut coming back, uh, two goals on their first three shots. They went up 2-1, two goals in less than two minutes. Led 2-1 at the end of the first. No scoring in the second period. They led 2-1 going into the third. Team Brick gets a goal like 12 seconds into the third period on the power play to tie it up. Very tense third period. Team Brick took a too many men penalty in the last five minutes. They were able to kill that off. About 40 seconds left in regulation time. Breakaway for Team Brick. Stopped by the Connecticut goalie. Exciting stuff. They go to overtime and it only took 26 seconds into overtime for Connecticut to win it. And man, it's it's always it's always tough when uh when a team scores in overtime i mean it's the elation on one side and and, and the pain on the other side so you always i mean these are 10 year old kids so i mean look i i wanted team brick alberta to win but you always feel a little bit for the losing team especially that at that age they're trying so hard biggest moments of their hockey lives to that point but the goal that went in against team brick I was just thinking, are you serious? That's how it ends. I, I mean, deflected point shot, bounced twice on the way in, bounced right in front of the team brick net, and then just shot perfectly right up over the uh, right shoulder of the team brick goalie, you know, the top corner of the net, and uh, Connecticut gets the victory. But it, I got to say, a uh, really cool atmosphere. Uh, kudos to Andy Wakeston, Craig Stiles, all the organizers and volunteers, and of course all, all the kids and coaches from the 14 teams involved, and all the fans who came out. Uh, I mean, the Ice Palace lined with fans, probably three or four deep on both levels of the mall. That was just a, a re- really a spectacle. 30th edition of the tournament. Tough for Team Brick, trying to win it for the first time since 2009, which was the year all these kids playing in it were born. 
and they just come up a little bit short, Connecticut winning the title for the second time. We will talk more about this, get into a little bit more of the details and, uh, you know, how these kids did and what's next. Umberto Fiorillo is the head coach of Team Brick Alberta. He's going to join us in about an hour. How are you doing? Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. Always happy to hear from you. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. It is the home run derby tonight at the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. I am uh, not going to lie to you. My, my personal interest in this is low. That's just my thought on it. Uh, but we will, I will ask you this as our off-topic topic tonight by texting 630-630 or if, if we have time to take any phone calls, 780-496-0063. And uh, we have Kellen Kennedy working as our studio operator tonight. First of all, Kellen, great to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, Reid. You remember, I, it must have been a couple of years ago now. I asked people, have you ever dunked a basketball? Yes, I remember that. And we had some incredibly honest, incredibly raw stories, mostly people texting in. And dunking a basketball is something you can kind of say, well, you know, if, especially if you have your certain height, it's, it's attainable. Maybe some people could do it easily. Maybe some people could do it after a lot of work. And maybe some people wanted to do it and uh, could never do it. But as you know, Kellen, this is probably one of my top five memorable moments in the six years I've been hosting the show. The one texter who wrote in, because I actually found this very gut-wrenching, mm. and you remember this, the individual who said he had practiced dunking and jumping and worked on his vertical. This was playing high school basketball. I can't remember the school or the community. I don't know if the individual revealed it in the text. And, said, and, and this person could dunk, had the ability to slam dunk a basketball and had done it a few times. So finally in a game, this individual got a breakaway, went to dunk, didn't elevate enough, and jammed the ball on the front of the rim and unfortunately looked quite foolish and never attempted to dunk again and as an adult still feels humiliated to this day. That's a very raw story. So anyway, along those lines, and because the home run derby is about to commence, have you ever hit a home run in a competitive game of baseball. Not slow pitch. And not an inside-the-park home run. I'm out, then. I'm sure a lot of people are out, but I think that there are enough people who are in that we might get the odd story. Uh, because, obviously, this is a large city. We have people who've played competitive baseball or where you've played with an actual fence that might be 320, 380, 400 feet away, even. Uh, have you ever hit a home run? Do you have a, a happy or a tragic home run or near home run story or we may just have to say have you ever hit a home run even off in a, like in a batting against a batting machine <laughs> the pitching machine i don't know you can text 630 we'll see if we get any stories of glee or stories of horrific failure tonight on the text line anyway the Edmonton Eskimos back at practice. They will visit the British Columbia Lions on Thursday. BC struggling this season, though they did get their first win of the season on Saturday, barely 18-17 over the Toronto Argos on a missed field goal that uh, Chris Rainey couldn't keep in bounds. Uh, he stepped on the line catching it. And we're going to talk about this. The end zones in Toronto are smaller. 
because of the field. So a regular field, he might have been able to catch it and probably runs it out. I mean, Rainey's one of the best returners, probably the best returner in the league over the last five or six years. So anyway, BC, uh, BC got the win. And, and also, that questionable kickoff by Toronto after they tied the game where they pooch it, plus it goes out of bounds anyway. So BC starts on the 45, shorter field to drive for the winning point. Um, but... Eskimos at Lions on Thursday, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Ched. And uh, the game is going to start at 8. The Eskimos back at practice. They actually went back on Friday, as we told you. Did some other team stuff, meetings on the weekend, practicing yesterday and today. And uh, Dave Campbell spoke with receiver Kenny Stafford. I mean, sour taste in your mouth. It's football, though. So you got to bounce back. We uh, allow 24 hours to either celebrate or sulk on the win or loss flush it down the toilet and move on to the next week now we're focused on bc and uh you know winning the season series this is a first time in my career where the season series is so close like typically it's towards the back end of the season but this year it's right now so making sure the young guys understand what it's like to win a season series last year we lost the season series to get in the playoffs so Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, uh, you got to put some emphasis on it. And, you know, when people say this is, you know, it's early part of the season, it's early part of the season, but, you know, these are games that you don't want to look back on and say, well, we had a chance to get the season series and we didn't do it. Now we're making the next game, you know, kind of that, you know, that's the game where you got to win the season series. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this is a unique situation, man. And it would, like I said, take the series, season series within week six. It's week five right now. So uh, just knowing what we have to do, you know, it all starts with us in this locker room. We got to clean up some penalties. We got to clean up our, our play and continue to uh, hit our stride on offense, defense, and special teams. It's honestly, it's us as a team. You know, we got to play complimentary football. So, you know, special teams taking a penalty, backing the offense up, putting us in on the 10, on going out, you know, it's difficult. I mean, we were able to dig ourselves out a lot last week, you know, against Winnipeg. So, but we weren't able to finish. So, I mean, you got to play complimentary football and you got to continue to get better day by day. Someone on the defensive side just said to me, that was the game that we look at that that's the one that got away do you look at that on, on offense as well um no because i mean we we except for the red zone we did what we were supposed to do i mean time possession first downs yardage running the ball turnovers we didn't turn the ball over so i mean we we played a pretty much a, a clean game we just got to finish in the red zone yeah. those two field goals in the red zone if those are touchdowns, difference right there. That's the difference right there, and that's just with us finishing. Not that's not taking any penalties away. That's not taking nothing away. That's just us finishing. So, you know, we gotta you finish, 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 man. So that's the that's something that's been a word around here. You know, one of our that you know that dictates you know what determines you being an Eskimo, and that's finish, man. You gotta finish. Something this team did really, really well first two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we finished, man. So. We, we can do it. Also, you got to put emphasis on it, man. We've only been playing football together for four weeks as an offense. 
and we're we're all new pieces. So I mean, me and Natay are the only returning starters uh, on the receiving in the receiving core that has been here. So you got a new quarterback. You know, CJ was a part of us last year. So you know, we're just we're learning how to work together, man. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. Everyone loves to work. No one is selfish. So we're we're enjoying the process. You got you got to enjoy the process of football. You know, we do all this hard work for literally 12 minutes of a game. Mm-hmm. When you can collect all the plays for like what max play is 7 seconds. So you got 60 plays for 7 seconds and it equals up to 12 minutes. So we're enjoying the process, man. The process of getting better and becoming great. That is Kenny Stafford looking ahead to the Eskimos' next game against the BC Lions. we got to take a quick timeout, and then we will tell you about maybe one of... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The best discount contracts of all time in the National Hockey League. That's up next. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. Okay, so here's the hockey news today. Young man by the name of Kevin LeBanc. You've seen him play against the Oilers for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, he had an overtime goal against the Oilers a couple of years ago. I think he had a uh, hat trick against the Oilers this past season. 23, gets a one-year, $1 million contract. The dude had 56 points last season. Really good player. And the Sharks get him for very cheap to discuss that. And other news from California, Kevin Kurz from The Athletic San Francisco. Kevin, I know there's a lot going on for you today, buddy. Thanks for fitting me in. How are you doing? Yeah, no problem. There's not, not, that, there's not that much going on. I can fit you in. Okay. <laughs> well, I, pre- I appreciate that. You're, al- <laughs> you're always great to talk to. Summertime. Okay. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, this, the discount deal, I'll start broad. How, how does this happen? Well, you know, I think it's pretty clear Kevin always wanted to stay in San Jose. They weren't interested in exploring any sort of offer sheet opportunity. Um, you know, but but that said, obviously, this is uh, not anything anyone expected, I don't think, because, you know, we all assumed that with his point totals, uh, he would be looking at something around the $3 million range, maybe at the very least. But, um, you know, he didn't have arbitration rights. He will have them next summer, so... You know, if you look at this in, in, in just a, if you're taking it just as a two-year window, um, you know, if he does if he does have the same kind of season he had last season, uh, and he has those arbitration rights, he could potentially sign a much bigger deal than he would have, you know, been able to sign obviously today uh, without those rights. So it's all about that to me. Um, but even so, I, I think you can make a case that. He could have maybe made a little bit more money uh, on even just a one-year deal just because he really did take tremendous strides in his game last season and was a real impact player down the stretch. Well, and he seems to me, 
from and I mentioned Kevin, he's had a couple of big games against the Oilers in the last couple of seasons, and, and not, you know I'm not I'm not just basing everything on that. Clearly, he, he is productive against mm-hmm. other teams, but he he seems to really be this new style of player that teams want because he can play with pace, plus he can produce when he gets to those those right spots. Would you think that would be a fair analysis? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's not the fastest guy in terms of just straightforward skating, but he's got a world of offensive creativity, and that's, you know, we've seen him thrive on the power play. There were times where um, when Joe Thornton uh, was not on the top power play unit, it was because Kevin LeBanc was, on, was in his spot, and he was really creating and setting up teammates, and he's got great eyes. He's got a great shot. Um, you know, the the the... the, the uh, process with the bank like it is with so many of these young guys was learning the two-way game and um that was something that got him in pete DeBoer's doghouse fairly often really in the in 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 about a year and a half but i would say midway through this season um you know he really became a much more responsible guy he wasn't taking as many stupid penalties he wasn't getting caught out of position um and, and really he earned i i think pete DeBoer's uh you know trust that way um, and, you know, he also gives a lot of credit to Joe Thornton. He was on a line with Joe Thornton over the, you know, the second half of the year. It was a line with uh, Thornton and Marcus Sorensen that DeBoer really left alone for just about, you know, the, the better part of three or four months. And, you know, Joe's message to Kevin LeBanc was always get out there and work. You know, there were times maybe he wasn't spending enough time out there on the practice ice, was coming off too early. Um, but over the second half of the season, you know, you could really tell he was out there early. He was staying out late. He was really working hard at his game, and it showed on the ice. Okay, uh, before I let you go here, lots of stories with the Sharks, but but I got to ask about a player, you know, pretty much synonymous. Well, one of the players synonymous with the team, 965 games as a Shark. Um, but uh, he's moving on. Joe Pavelski signs with uh, with Dallas. Tell us how this uh, this shook down for you, and, and why do you think Pavelski ultimately yeah. decided to leave after being a, a life? It looked like maybe he was going to be a lifetime shark. Well, he wanted three years, and the Sharks weren't comfortable going three years. And, and I don't think they were ever even close. You know, that everyone talks about the term, and while that was certainly an issue, and that was a hurdle they were never able to clear, they weren't even close on money either. You know, this wasn't a situation where. Joe Pavelski didn't even have, you know, he didn't have an offer in front of him from the Sharks, uh, an official offer saying, here, we'll give you two years and say $12 million. Um, it never even reached that point. So, you know, I think they learned pretty early in the process that uh, the the Cosm was too big for them to, to breach there. Um, and really, you know, it, it, it just was never really close. And Pavelski, obviously, you know, he's going to be 35 years old uh, in a couple days here. Um, it's his last chance to make one real big paycheck. And, you know, even hypothetically, if the Sharks were only offering two years and $12 million and the Dallas Stars were offering three years and $21 million, I mean, that's over $10 million in real money when you include taxes, too. So, um, it, you know, I don't think that was the main motivation. I think Joe Pavelski absolutely would have loved to remain a Shark. But when, you know, I think the, the difference is that big, um, that was just something that neither side was going to be able to, um, you know, concede on. And, and and I wouldn't, I don't blame Joe Pavelski one bit. You know, 38 goals, great season, um, has meant so much to this team for so long. I think he maybe expected a bigger commitment from the Sharks to keep him around. Uh, that didn't happen, and so now he's in Dallas. All right. 
Well, interesting team to follow, and obviously uh, one of the most uh, successful over the last 10 or so years in the NHL as well. Kevin, thanks for checking in. We do appreciate it, buddy. I know I'll be seeing you during the season, and we'll be talking then. Thank you so much for hopping on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. All right, that is Kevin Kurz checking in from San Jose. He's with the Athletics San Francisco. So yeah, Kevin LeBanc, he talked about it there. Uh, you know, wanted to stay in San Jose. Probably could have pushed for more, but he gets the one-year, $1 million contract. Okay, we got a break for the 6.30 news. Uh, a lot more to get to. We'll catch up with Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation. And we'll introduce you to Carter Guylander, goaltender for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. He was drafted by Detroit a couple of weeks ago. All coming up. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. I was reading this afternoon, and I think we've talked about this gentleman on the show before. At the Calgary Stampede tonight, I think he's scheduled to start at about half an hour. This gentleman named Nick Walenda, who's he's a, he's a tightrope walker. He's one of those guys. That's actually his job. He is trying to break his own record for the longest urban high wire walk. He's going to be 35 meters above the ground, and he's trying to go 549 meters on a tightrope. I don't know why they couldn't find an extra meter of tightrope just to make it an even 550, but but I guess they couldn't. The wire is three quarters of an inch in diameter. Now, he's trying to break his own record, which he just set in June. He went 396 meters across Times Square. So tonight he's trying to go 549 meters uh, at the Calgary Stampede. P- pretty amazing stuff. I don't even know how you... We should try to get a tightrope walker on the show. There you go. That's that's a very interesting profession. Nick Walenda. Give him, give him a Google if you got time. He's actually pretty interesting to read about. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Just quickly want to get to the text line. The home run derby is underway. Oh, Guerrero Jr. is hitting right now. So there we go. He has hit uh, five home runs. He has hit six home runs. So I said, you know, a home run, it's something that has a mystique in sports. And it's something a lot of us would want to do, but probably very few of us have. But I'm sure some of you have. So I said, do you have a home run story? Even if you're just, you know, an, an everyday person, do you have a home run story? Tyler texting in, he says, I hit 12 home runs in my minor career, if you can even call it a career, but got absolutely robbed on my first home run by an amazing catch from the left fielder. I was devastated by it. That is from Tyler. The Big L says, uh, when I was 13, I played in a mixed softball league. At the end of the season, I was known as Mr. Home Run as I had one in nearly every game. All right, that's the Big L. Remember the Big L? I said preferably baseball. And uh, this texture says, I hit one home run in my two-year men's hardball career, was a walk-off grand slam in extra innings to win the B side of the tournament. I was down oh balls and two, zero balls and two strikes, highlight of my career. Now, that's a good, that's a beauty. Playing some men's hardball, walk-off grand slam in extra innings to win the B side. And you know what? I love that text because, uh, look, 
we're doing a live show. We have no way to fact check you as a, as a six or chat lister or texter. He could have said it was to win the championship, but he said it was to win the B side. Very honest, very touching. Thank you very much. Hey, Justin Dunk is with ThreeDownNation.com. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Now, I'm not going to ask about your athletic exploits because you played quarterback at a high level. Well, I could ask about non-football exploits if you had any. Any home run, hole-in-one, uh, hat-trick stories? One hole-in-one in my life. Oh! I'll never forget. I didn't see the ball go in, but ran up to the green and somehow was in the cup. Imagine that. And are you generally a good golfer? Like, you know, do you were you aiming at the pin or did... <laughs> Did you get a bounce? <laughs> well, all of us, I feel like hackers think we're aiming at the pin, and that day I just got lucky. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you remember the yardage on the hole? Well, I think it was about 160 up the hill. It was playing about 180. Oh, that's not bad. So you had to give it a good whack. Good little poke and got her up there and rolled in the cup. Now, did you discover it in the cup, or did one of your buddies you were playing with find it? Actually, it was with my cousin, and I felt like the ball had rolled over the back of the green. So here I am checking it at the back because, as I said, you had to go uphill a little bit. And my cousin says, I got your ball from the hole. I'm thinking, oh, you're just goofing around, right? You do that all the time with your buddies. No, for real, it's in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm I'm glad you have one. I don't know if you have, uh, know um, uh, Ken Weeb, who writes in Winnipeg. You know, Did you know he got two in a round? He had two aces in one round. Couple of years. Wow! Yeah. Did he buy a lottery ticket? Up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's just <laughs> and he's good. I think he's a four handicap or maybe even lower. But still, there's a certain randomness to it. Where see, that's the one thing. And I was talking about home runs, and uh, I, I did a thing a couple years ago. People were texting in about trying to slam dunk either when they were kids or playing basketball. And certainly, it requires skill for home in, for a hole in one. But there is that randomness to it, right? Where it's like the 35 handicapper who plays five rounds a year has a hole in hole in one, and the guy who golfs 80 rounds a year and is a two handicapper doesn't have one. You get stories like that sometimes. Yeah, the luck plays in it. Do you, do you have any? I do not have any. I have come sort of close a couple times, but not close enough where like I still needed a, another few rotations of the ball but it, I, I had I had one la- last summer where for an instant my buddy and I our hearts skipped for a, a, a bit but then it probably stopped about 8 inches short but it was online for the cup Oh, was tracking yeah Man. it was tracking yeah I didn't quite read the green properly from 170 away <laughs> <laughs> Hey speaking of speaking of yardage Justin to transition into the league you cover the Canadian Football League uh, how deep are those end zones in Toronto again Well they're definitely a little short around 17 to 20 yards depends who you ask and on the day I bet you Chris Ring thought they were about 15 on uh, Saturday night so, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, chatter that they're not regulation end zones, and Chris Rainey uh, catches the ball, and he's on the end line. You know what, I, Justin? I've seen football games end a lot of different ways in, in both leagues. Or Well, I mean, I used to hover, cover high school football in Lloydminster, and I, I've certainly seen games end on a rouge. I don't know if I've ever seen one where the guy has caught it and thought he was in bounds, but but was was that a new one for you, or do you have a, a matching tail? No, not at all. I mean, you've been around the game in sports longer than I have, and that was the first time that I had seen 
a rouge and a game that way. Right? I've seen kick it in, kick it out. The only one that came to mind for me, and, and you mentioned my background, I played at the University of Guelph for five years and started as a quarterback. Is we're playing McMaster, and the game was tied somewhere in the 30s, and we felt like they were going to throw a Hail Mary to the end zone, but they actually lined up the quarterback, sort of quick kicked it, and it took a bunch of bounces and rolled out of the back of the end zone. They went out on the roof. So that's the only thing that I've seen with my own eyes up close that was something similar to what happened with Rainey. But Rainey stepping out of bounds just seems to be kind of the way the Argo season is going this year. Uh, well, they lost by 50. They were on pace <laughs> to lose by 50 before the weather rolled in in Saskatchewan. And then watching that game on Saturday... I, I, Justin, I actually thought BC was going to blow it again. I mean, they they lost a lead here in Edmonton, though it was earlier in the game. They lost it late uh, in Calgary, de- like in. I mean, that was a low percentage win by the Stamps, and I was like, my God, are they going to blow it against? Like, it almost came down to who was going to mess up or make a mistake, as opposed to who was going to actually take it and win it. That's right. I, I'm with you. It felt like it, seventeen to nine. That all right, BC's chugging a little bit. John White was running the ball. It seemed like Mike Riley had a little bit of a comfort zone going, and they alleviated some of the pressure. And then all of a sudden, James Wilder pops free. SJ Green catches a two-point convert, and you're thinking, are the Argos actually going to pull out a win here after you mentioned those two horrid victories? It just seemed like the team that made the least amount of mistakes in a mistake-filled game won it, and that ended up being BC. Justin Dunk, Justin Junk joining us from uh, 3downnation.com as we uh, catch up on the uh, early season CFL storylines. I'm going to – I'll kind of throw a general one at you, but I'll, I'll tee up this way just about some of your impressions. And I know our, our free agency day was crazy, as you remember, especially from an Edmonton perspective because Riley left and all these other guys came in. And as we got to the season, I said, you know what, everybody? In my mind, these are the three biggest off-season moves in the CFL in no particular order. Willie Jefferson goes from Saskatchewan to Winnipeg. Philip Lawley comes to the Eskimos as the defensive coordinator. And Chris Jones leaves Saskatchewan as head coach. Now, I'm, I'm rarely right, but I'm sort of right on those being pretty significant so far. Uh, just give me some, a couple early season uh, headlines for you, Justin. You definitely are. I like, that. I like those for sure. I think for me right now, the number one storyline to start the year would have to be Trevor Harris, to be quite honest, because there was a lot of people that felt like, can Harris come in, and he's not going to try to be Mike Riley, he's definitely his own quarterback, but can he play at a high level in the West Division? He's shown three games in and with that 2 and one record that he can get it done. So that would stick out to me. I think the other one early in the season, and I hate to go here, but it's got to be one of the topics, has been headshots on the quarterbacks and injuries to them. It's not like Randy Ambrose can... You know, strap the pads back on and go out there and block some defenders, and you're not going to have that happen at all. But it was something that was a problem last year and even the year before, and it continues to creep into the game. And to me, the suspension of Simone Lawrence of two games was Ambrosi trying to set a new standard. So to me, that's right up there with one of the top storylines of the season. And I think a lot of people feel like early in the year, at least that first game, that the Stampeders losing to the Ottawa Red Blacks might have them taking a step back. But here we go again. Believe that Mitchell's out of the lineup. They go in and put a whooping on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So to me, those would be the top three storylines overall. Trevor Harris, 
head hits continuing, and yes, Calgary can get it done without Bowley by Mitchell. All right, so you played quarterback. Did you start all five years at Guelph? That's right. I started right from game four, I believe, all the way out. All right, so you got around, would have been, what, around 50 games under your belt, counting playoffs, I guess, so that's a fair bit. You got uh, it. Like, we're, we're, as a player... Did you feel at that position head hits were a problem? Did you ever, you know, quote-unquote, have your bell rung and you felt like, man, that should be a penalty. Like, I'm getting pounded here and there's no, there's, there's no flag because the rules were different. Yes, it was even a little different back then. I feel like it was more of an older school thought process. And this is back from 2005 to 2009. And, yes, it's sort of within the same realm. But I was never going to come off the field. So as a player, even if I had my bell rung, and the one that, I remember in particular happened in 2009. I dove across the goal line, so it wasn't from anyone hitting me, but I remember landing on my head and I got up and I was so jacked up that I didn't realize it, but I got back to the sideline, sat down, kind of calmed down, had some water, and I couldn't see out of my left eye. It was blurry, but there was no way that I was going to come out of that game. It was homecoming. We were playing Western. It was our rival. It was a top 10 matchup you know, across the country. We were both ranked up there. And I played the entire second half with a blurry left eye. So definitely had my bell rung. But I never really felt that there was a problem with headshots on me throughout my career. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> well, shows you what athletes will do to stay in the game, right? It does, man. There was nothing that was going to get to drag me off that field kicking and screaming. But there was no way I was going to go to the trainer. So I can understand when, let's say, a guy like Mike Riley, who a lot of people in Edmonton have seen take hellacious shots, they want to stay in the game. Their competitors ultimately want to win. Justin, thanks for checking in. It's always great to have you on the show. Uh, I love reading your stuff on 3downnation.com. You have a great perspective. You do an awesome job reporting. We'll talk again, of course, throughout the season, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Reed. I hope you get that hole-in-one this summer. Yeah, it's coming. Thanks. It's <laughs> Justin <laughs> Dunk. Check it in from 3downnation.com. Oh, I would love that hole-in-one. Jim had one, 176 yards. He was able to nail one. That is awesome, Jim. Good for you, for sure. You can text 630-630. Uh, Eskimos' next home game, of course, is on the 25th. They're going to play Toronto. The Eskimos have introduced a new $22 general admission pass. And uh, it's called the Empire North Pass. It's available for each regular season home game. It includes all taxes and fees when purchased before game day. On game day, the price will be 25 bucks. So a pretty good deal. It's for general admission seating in the north end zone. And the Eskimos also announcing today all youth age 17 and under free admission to home games through the Labor Day rematch. So that's a home game against Toronto. Later this month, uh, Ottawa is here in August. Winnipeg is here in August, and that includes the big Labor Day rematch as well. So $22 general admission pass. The Eskimos put that out there. You can go to 630Ched.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For more info or the Eskimos website. We will call a quick timeout and then a young man drafted out of the Sherwood Park Crusaders by Detroit. Carter Guylander when we get back. 
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Checking in tonight. Eskimos coaches show is at 7.30. Jason Moss in studio with Morley Scott. After the 7 o'clock news, we will welcome back to the show Umberto Filarello, the head coach of Team Brick Alberta. Tough overtime loss in the championship game of the Brick Invitational yesterday to Connecticut. Both those teams went into the final 7-0, finished first in their pool won the semifinal, and uh, a really good showdown. So we'll get the lowdown from Umberto on that one. I want to welcome to Inside Sports, goaltender for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. It is Carter Guylander. Carter, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to have you on the show, and uh, I haven't been able to talk to you since the draft. Congratulations. Seventh round, 191st to the Detroit Red Wings. Man, tell us how that felt. Yeah, it was uh, really exciting. I was actually at work when I found out uh, that was selected by the Red Wings, and uh, my advisor, Jerry Johansson, gave me the phone call, and uh, after that phone call, I was getting a, a bunch, so I had to take a quick break from work, but uh, yeah, I was really excited, and uh, it was an honor to be selected by such a historic and classy organization. Okay, I got to get more on this, because uh, Nathan Dempsey, who played in the NHL for several years, he had a story on the show He's a little he's a little older than you, Carter, but he was, I think, working at a grocery store when he got drafted in the middle of his shift. Can you please tell us where you work and and what it was what it was like at your workplace in the moments after? Uh, yeah, I work at uh, the Red Tail Landing Golf Club, uh, the golf course right by the Edmonton Airport, and uh, I was actually washing golf balls in the back shed, and where I got a bunch of phone calls and. Uh, so at least I was in private for those phone calls, and then I had to tell my boss, uh, hey, can I take a few minutes here? And uh, I told him the news, and he said, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, and then took off into a private room, and I was able to make the phone calls. But uh, it was pretty funny. Who was the first person you called or people you called? Uh, Jerry Johansson, he was the first one to let me know. I didn't even know when he uh, uh, gave me the phone call. Uh, I was watching that draft uh, at home with my parents, on the TV and then uh, I had to go to work at two and within like the first 30 minutes uh, that's when I got the phone call so uh, it was it's a funny story but it was uh, pretty exciting all right well tell us a little bit about your expectations going into going into the draft were you like pretty sure someone was going to take you were you trying not to think about it where was your mind going into it Uh, I was trying to be optimistic about the draft and uh I kind of had the mindset where you know, if you get drafted or not, you still have to put the work in. Either if you get drafted, you got to prove to that organization that you're worthy of a draft pick, and if not, then you got to prove those guys that you are worthy of the draft pick. And uh, either way, it didn't really matter of my path to playing pro hockey, which is the ultimate goal. So uh, it was I was obviously relieved when I got drafted, and it's an accomplishment. But like I said, it's it's not the be all end all sort of thing. Well, and it's an interesting story for you because for Sherwood Park this past season, didn't you get the 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 fewer starts than than the other guy? So they wouldn't yeah, have had as right. much. Yeah. They wouldn't have had a lot of chance, as many chances to look at you, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's what uh, some of the people I've talked to told me is uh, it's pretty tough for some scouts to come come up and watch me, and they find out that I'm not starting that game or that weekend. So. Uh, I was able to talk to them, but uh, it wasn't after a game that I played. So, uh, 
Yeah, but uh, I it was a nice transition from midget to junior. Uh, I had a really good mentor, Matt Berlin, who was the starting goalie last year, and he was he's a great guy, and I learned a lot from him and how to handle myself around the rink and that sort of stuff. All right, uh, and who who was your midget program? I was with uh, Leduc, midget oil kings. Okay, so you, you you live in Leduc and you play uh, play for the crew then. Yeah, I live in Beaumont. Yeah, Beaumont. Sorry, pardon me. Gotta be, gotta be, gotta get the right community. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, okay, so tell me a little bit about your hockey career. Were you a goalie from a little guy, or how did it start? I actually started off playing Renette. Uh, I have two older sisters, and with three different minor uh, sports programs, it would have been the schedules would have been impossible for my parents to get us all to the rinks. So I actually joined my other sister. Uh, playing arenettes as an underage guy, and uh, I actually started off just playing out, and I'd go out there, score three goals because I was the max, and play defense. And being a goalie never really crossed my mind at that age. And then because we never had a designated goalie, it was until my second year of arenettes where they said, "Hey, Carter, do you want to go in the nets?" And I was, "Oh, sure, I'll try it." Uh, played one game, absolutely loved it, and I haven't been a player since. And then after my second year, then I made the transition to hockey. Okay, good stuff. So I got to ask you this: Sometimes goalies are known as being a little different. Do you have any quirks that fall into the goalie category? Um, to be honest, uh, lots of my teammates say that uh, I'm one of the less weird, <laughs> less weird goalies that they've met before. But uh, I have some quirks, and I don't know my sense of humor is. Uh, I think I think I have a good sense of humor, but some guys. Uh, Beg to differ sometimes, but uh, I, I think everybody's got their quirks, and being a goalie, it's uh, that could help a little bit. Well, I know for me around the office, a lot of times I'll say something that I think is hilarious, and people just look at me like I'm from another planet. So if you ever get that, don't don't feel bad. We're out there. We're out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're you're pretty you're pretty big guy. You're pretty tall. Yeah, six just over six five now. Oh wow. Okay, and you might still be growing a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm slowing down now, but uh, uh, when I was younger, I was only supposed to be like 6'2", max, but uh, I was never really freakishly tall at a young age, and then I just hit a growth spurt in, in my second-year bantam and then became 6'3 at the end of that year. Okay. So what's up this summer? Working at Red Tail or skating? What are you doing? Yeah, uh, on the ice quite a few times, and we got the camp with... Uh, my goalie coach year-round, Curtis Mucha and Dustin Schwartz, uh, they got uh, their program in their camp that they co-host uh, this week, actually. And um, I did that last year. It's a really good camp, and you don't just learn from being in the nets, but you're around with other really good goalies, and you can have discussions with everybody and pick up on things and learn from them just watching them. And uh, like, like I said, I've worked with Curtis Mucha for four years now ever since I met him at uh, the Oil Kings rookie camp and uh, we have a really good relationship and I love working with him so uh, looking forward to this week and uh, at the camp here and yeah like I said uh, working at Red Tail Golf Course I get free golf so that's uh, a big perk out of it good yeah and uh, and just training as well so uh, yeah go ahead sorry and you went to Detroit's D camp already you went to development camp yep yep that was a really good experience uh, in the brand new Little Caesars Arena and the facilities are top notch. It's uh, it was kind of uh, unbelievable to be honest. I, 
seeing their players lounge in their kitchen and they got chefs cooking for us it's uh it was a pretty incredible experience that i'm grateful for and i learned a lot and you'll be back with the crew in the fall yeah that's right awesome do you, you have you committed anywhere uh, yeah, I committed to Colgate University in November, I believe. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Carter, we'll have to have you on again. Uh, excellent interview and, and great story. Good for you, and all the best as you move along here, buddy. All right. Thank you very much, Reed. That is Carter Guylander checking in, drafted by Detroit a couple of weeks ago, plays for the Short Park Crusaders from Beaumont. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.